assume are more about the distinction that sometimes the usage of the word um, rebirth and uh, the term becoming, I wonder if you might say something about that. That sequence in the uh, Bowen and uh, Dati. That's uh, well. It's just a, a slight different emphasis, really. Like Jati would be the actual sense of the of I am, and then the and the become the process is one one is becoming that, and then becomes that, and then it and then it ceases. I mean, it uh, leads to death or to uh, what was reborn will will cease. Now in this in that particular sense, like in uh, applying Paticca Samuppada to a to a moment, then it it's uh, the jati or rebirth is uh, is the conviction of I am. And uh, from that but that that whole sequence you can't I mean you're more or less Reflecting on, on the process because you can't you can't uh, see how you know you can't di- really separate one from the other and say this is definitely dhanha, ubadana, bhava, jati. But I would apply that mainly to just that the conviction, uh, unquestioned conviction that I am the five aggregates or I am a person. A kind of unquestioned on you know, it's not coming from avicca so it, it's uh, it's not a question it's not a convention it's not conventional reality it's it's delusion where when when there's panya and vicha then 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 it's uh, I am is merely a convention it's conventional reality it's not a rebirth because you're just using it for communication. It's not a, it's not an attachment. It's not from dana ubadana power. This is this is what uh, makes that that whole paticca samuppada something immediate. And rather, if you if you're thinking of it in the two in the sequence of of birth being born into a physical body, then then it um, then it doesn't really work. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's, it doesn't seem to have any any point to it, really. Except as a as just some kind of maybe theoretical explanation. But as a, as an immediate, uh, it's immediacy to to rebirth of the I am. Because these, like the body, was is born uh, according to the laws of nature, and it, it's uh, and we we put onto the body all kind of the I ams, like the mother. They, this is my baby, and uh, and then the then the baby uh, doesn't have any sense of I am till it starts uh, being conditioned to think in that way, to think and. Uh, to identify. 
And then jati conditions, the dara marana uh, tewa and all that, the, the suffering that follows from from that process of attachment to through ignorance. That's why there's no way you can ever find happiness, the kind of real real happiness is security through ignorance. We used to say ignorance is bliss, didn't we? Because when you, you know, at a certain level of human behavior, it is not to know very much, not to be aware of very much, not to be <laughs> sensitive, just to have have a kind of childish view of life where you you just are aware of the prettiness and niceness and pleasantness. And then we, we lose our innocence, we become corrupt. Innocence is corruptible, and that when we're ch- children we're, we're innocent. I mean, we don't, anything bad we do is not from kind of deliberate intention, maliciousness or evilness, it's just, just the learning process. It's quite innocent before the, the self, selfish view comes into operation. Then, the, then self-consciousness, we lose our innocence. We become corrupted, we're corrupted. And then we suffer from the corruption of innocence. And then we, when we suffer enough, then we do all the necessary things to be enlightened. So we won't, so that then we're, then we're like, like the child again, only we're not innocent, we're wise. Whereas a child you can be corrupted, as a wise being, you can't, you're incorruptible. Can't be corrupted. Isn't that what we love about children? Is I mean, what the, the lovely thing about children is their innocence. And all, all adults, I think that's what I mean. What is charming, and what we when we think of, of the pleasant side of children, it's it's that really. We think of the unpleasant side. We think of how demanding and and children can be very you know are not very they're, they're caught up in their own lives and they aren't very aware or sensitive to the adult world so they tend to like drive you crazy with their demands and their noise you can see I used to watch my, my study of dog life in Thailand see see these uh, bitches with their litters and, uh, these, and in, in, the, in the monastery these kind of wretched female dogs you know, starving and the scrawny, mangy and, they, and every year they have these litters of puppies 
and they, they look like skeletons, skeletal dogs. These puppies are, are sucking on their on them all the time, trying to, to get as much out of them as they can. These wretched bitches just kind of limp around and they're always giving, 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 giving. And then when they can get away, they go off trying to find something to eat for themselves and they can go back and feed their puppies. It developed a lot of respect for them, actually. They <laughs> saw such... Uh, you know, such wretched, really, physically, I mean, you just look at them with your eye, and they, they're such a, uh, uh, you know, they look, they look like they should, they couldn't, you know, they, they can hardly stand up sometimes. And yet they're always, these puppies constantly nursing on them, on these uh, dogs, and the dogs are always willing to give, the, the mother's always willing to give. So, innocence doesn't uh, doesn't um, one can be quite innocent and still drive somebody crazy. Used to think, I used to torture my mother. Just my incessant demand, thinking that she was there just for my benefit. But with wisdom. Uh, then one begins to 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 see the uh, you know has has perspective to work from, and we can we can we can be sensitive and caring and thoughtful and uh, about our, how we relate to other beings. questions? Is this, uh, do you find this uh, type of retreat helpful, where you have the day to your own practice, or is it difficult?
Do you have the question? Well, I have. It's just one word of it won't come to mind. No. I did have one. But I jotted down so much, I, I can't remember just the word. It's the one. Yes. Was that the one about emotions, sister? Yes. Sometimes we just have to bear with these idiotic things that come up in our mind.
Well, just just by being aware of that, you can just catch it, just to turn away, like go to the breath or the silence, so that you're not uh, you're not just re re uh, refueling that habit. The more uh, the more mindful you are, then you're you're aware of that process, and you can just not 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 be caught in the as you weaken that process, that whole thing will fall away. Right. So, but the fact that you see it, you see, yes. the fact that you're aware of it, yes. that helps. That will help you to see how to just let go of that process. Yes, yes, it's just a habit. Thank you very much. As you're more mindful, then then these these uh, kind of little funny habits that you're not that you didn't even know you had, you know, you you're more aware of the kind of subtle and and uh, just habitual kind of minor minor habits that one has. These, uh, of course, you, you begin to realize them, and then you can let them go. And this is where the where where really it's a, a mindfulness and then this and, and wisdom and this sada faith as you d- develop more and more then you you have this faith to to just uh, not not hesitate not to kind of waffle about anymore you're you're more immediate with the with the, with the your, the path becomes much more immediate rather than than uh, a kind of hesitant doubting wavering state which at first, when you first realize the path, even though you had a moment of clear insight, the tendency is to to kind of waffle about and waver and go off a bit here and there. But as you keep practicing more and more, then your your confidence and you realize the only thing really that you can ever really do that's worth doing is is to, to not grasp anything. Or not, and not, and that is like then there's no hesitation, no second thought, no, no wavering about. If if I have been listening to them or heard you having a bit, thinking now, if it if if it gave a bit more interesting, I mean, gave a bit more true, more dharma, then I don't have that second. Mm-hmm. It's just that one. Right, it's these little uh, daily life things where we tend to be most heedless, isn't it? In the kind of ordinariness of our lives. Like brushing our teeth or or even that's in a, a kind of uh, extreme. I mean, we, get, we can be mindful brushing our teeth but, but heedless when we enter the, the bathroom or, or whatever we're doing. We, we can be full, filled with all kinds of like, like wanting to practice and we go in and brush our teeth and, and do all of these things while we're thinking about we've got to go out and practice. And as we, we're more mindful, then the whole, the whole sequence becomes, is, is our practice from, from the, the moment we awake to the time we go to sleep. 
Gwendolyn, what are you to me? <laughs> I then I was my first year of meditation. I went through this this incredibly irritating time where. I would be sitting there and this awful thought, a dumb thought, it wasn't even awful, it was just so stupid, would come into my mind. Gwendolyn, what are you to me? <laughs> and I'd think, oh, why do I keep thinking that? And so I started fighting it. I was trying to stop it, get rid of it, and and then I'd be kind of and become obsessed by it. You see, I couldn't think of anything. As soon as I sat down in meditation, <laughs> that stupid thought would arise. I tried analyzing it, you know, psyching it out. What is, what is this trying to say? I've repressed some kind of something for Gwendolyn, or or some spirit called Gwendolyn's trying to contact me, or.
in Christianity it's I am that I am, isn't it? <laughs> in Hinduism it's what? I am that? And in Buddhism it's you, you, you just see the, that I am is a thought. Because all those are saying, you know, pointing to this to the to the way things are actually you you know one there is this this is the center of the universe this is this is where the you know in in this lifetime this is the it's through this form that there's this consciousness there's thought and the subject is is I am but the I am tends to be uh, identified well, I mean out of ignorance it's identified with the conditions of the body the, the thought the memory the feeling the, the five khandhas and then they and what the Buddha did was to do not speculate about an, uh, an, an I am as a kind of uh, like the Atman of Hinduism, he didn't, he wouldn't, wouldn't go with, along with that, because what he was really doing was, point, was pointing to the the fact that any conceptualization, even of an, of of a big eye or a little eye or a, an over self or a little self or an Atman or an ego, that the whole problem lay with attachment to, to the. Uh, to the conditions. So even the attachment to the conditions of, to, to the thought of Atman is still ignorance. This is where, like in, in the, this uh, particular, Buddhism is, is what we call a non-dualistic approach. And uh, it's all the, the neither-nor type of practice not this, not that, neti neti, and so forth. Where the, the Hindu, from the, from the Hindu perspective of the Atman, and it's more what we call monistic, the totality, the whole, the universal, the one, the absolute. Well, both, I mean, one doesn't, if, I mean, it doesn't mean that one's right and one's wrong. But it's it's a different, slightly different. It's a it's a very different actually perspective. <coughs> I was telling them when I want to inspire people, I use monistic terms because monism is inspiring. Monistic theories and and doctrines and that are very inspiring to people, like the one, the universal God. Uh, the eternal, the, the the all this kind of thing tends to toward a monistic, one whole unity, and then then the the non-dualism is not inspiring at all. Neither this nor that, <laughs> but it is very uh, skillful in in freeing the mind from attachment. The, the, to inspiration or to 
to monistic views. <clears throat> Reflecting on like monotheism, I was brought up in, uh, of course, as a Christian, where uh, the idea of monotheism was right, and all anything else, uh, the polytheism, monism, uh, atheism, everything was wrong, was evil. And it was monotheism that was the the highest uh, attainment of the human spirit, was belief in the one God. And that one God was, of course, Christian God. But yet, you see that belief in the one God tends to be very divisive, actually, in its practice. Like in, in just the my experience in... Uh, growing up uh, as a Christian was that that mo monotheistic uh, attachments tended to to create tremendous divisions in the society we were we, I mean we really felt threatened by the atheists and we and we looked down on all other religions that weren't monotheistic and and even among the monotheists you had certain like being high church Episcopalians, we even looked down on the middle of the road and low church Episcopalians. So the the whole the, there was nothing, there there was no teaching such as neither this nor that. It was you believe this, this is right, that's wrong. That was very kind of dualistic and not monistic, it was monotheistic, which tended to be very dualistic in the, in the way that it was taught to me. And then God remains in, in the way that it was, was taught to me, with a very kind of immature, kind of childish belief of God as a father that is not, not the one, let's say, of a monist view, but one father one person, actually, somewhere, separate. Though it, it, with, uh, with the neither-nor approach, you kind of like, like clean everything out. It's like a, a mental enema. It's, it's not inspiring, but it's cleansing. I mean, you don't take an enema to get inspired, do you? <laughs> Unless you have rather strange tastes, <laughs> aberrations or whatever. But, you <laughs> but it, it, it is cleansing, so, so that the, the neither nor, neti neti, and non-dualism, it, it doesn't inspire, but it's very cleansing. clearing away. But what that, you know, one begins to appreciate looking at things in different ways. I mean, to be a, attached to the idea of non-dualism is still, is not the point either. You know, that, that somehow monistic or monotheistic views are wrong and it's only non-dualism that's right is, is an attachment again 
because the whole purpose of it is is in its use in its in, in the pragmatic use of it and the result of it of course the mind one realizes the, an emptiness the mind cleared from uh, from all in, in, in ideas and thoughts and attachments but then that mind is a is a bright mind intelligent mind that can begin to see the the value of monism and so forth the different ways of looking or talking you're not you're not taking sides against any any other religion or any other approach anymore but you you can appreciate you can look at something from many different angles and see their be- see the beauty from from different positions where the I, I don't know my the dualistic approach is the most kind of limited isn't it where we're right and you're wrong I'm right you're wrong if you don't agree with me you're wrong because I'm right <laughs> I mean that's that is uh, like the born again Christian is like that isn't it most of them that I've met uh, there's nothing to talk about with a born again Christian and I there's absolutely nothing to talk about because they never listen they only tell you that they're right and I'm and that you're wrong I'm right I mean they don't say it that not that direct but they're certainly implying that because they don't really listen even though they they will say and what does Buddha teach and then they're only listening to find out what's wrong with Buddhism. One time I remember Chitters, the born-again Christian, came to save me. And we sat out on the log in, in that tree, that tall pine tree, fir tree, and they chopped it down, that big, huge one. And I took him, we sat there on this log, like two bumps, And he said, well, tell me about Buddhism. So I started to, and, and I could immediately sense that he didn't really want to know anything about Buddhism because he'd already made up his mind it was wrong. He was just trying to get something to say, oh, this is where you're making your mistake, lad. This is, if you got it wrong here. And so he did that a few times. I realized, finally I said, you know, I don't think there's any point in us continuing this. And he says, I, I think you're right. <laughs> Not that you're right in your religious belief. But there was a, a, because he wanted me to, 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 I couldn't even agree with his basic premise. So there's nothing to talk about. I mean, you could argue, but there was uh, no point in, in that because... You couldn't even agree on on a, on a basic premise like like the 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 born again Christian already has made up his mind that God created everything, and so that 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 because of that if you and because i didn't didn't agree with that premise then there there's absolutely nothing you could talk about. 
If you don't agree with that, then there's nothing more to say. Because that, that whole way of thinking is, is a closed door. It's, uh, monism is a, is a wide open door. Like Hinduism can be, uh, in its monistic uh, forms, is an all-inclusive kind of religion. It, 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 can, it can incorporate everything in it, wide open. And the non-dualistic approach is neither wide open nor closed. It's investigating how we actually think, isn't it? Uh, like attachment to views. So say, say as a born-again Christian, one has to attach to, a, to the doctrine, to the basic belief. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, born of the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin, something like that and so forth, and you believe that. Then, then you have to get everyone else to believe in it. So they have a, they, that's what missionaries do, isn't it? You, you're going out and you're converting people. You're, making, you're trying to get them to agree with that. So then you all agree. You have, uh, you have meetings of affirmations, confirmations of that creed. And that, that's where you, you, you form the church. Is, is all the, the church it symbolizes that congregation or group of beings who all agree in that particular teaching, in that creed. And then you have a church of believers. Well, that, that's one religious approach. Then in many, many beings there's, this, there's more monistic attitudes where you don't, you don't, you don't feel in the, you don't want to put it into, into su such limited terms. But there is a sense of, say, of a, a feeling of oneness and the absolute, the universal truth and, and uh, all of these. Uh, and monism because it, it is a, it's wide open because the one is, is everything. It's the whole, the one, the absolute. Then the uh, 
the non-dualistic is is letting go of that, not not uh, not rejecting, but any uh, the 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 whole and the one is is relinquished. The concept, the view. So that when well now what that does practically is the mind goes toward is empty, the shunyata experience of anatta shunyata the realization of that the mind because there's no concept nothing grasping not even not even the the view of one or the whole or the all but if you're attached to to a view that there's nothing and then, then that's not annihilationism. Uh, that's not it either. That's not, not that's not non-dualism. Annihilationism is 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 another grasping of of a view that there's nothing. And then 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 say born again Christianity is grasping the view that there's something. And that something is. Is, is clearly defined in, in, a, in a particular creed. Then in the monistic view, it, there is the all, the one. And then in the non-dualistic, there is neither one nor not one. <laughs> and that blows your mind out. And then, boom. Suddenly, uh, the thinking pro- thinking doesn't work anymore. You can't. You try to think about that. You can't think about it. Just the thinking process stops. Then you're realizing that where the where the, the whole thing stops, where all that that thing where all that ends and ceases. That's why we emphasize, in, like in the Four Noble Truths, the cessation of thought, the Third Noble Truth of Niroda. Is very is quite um, quite rare for individual be human beings to realize cessation because uh, most most human beings are very much creating things all the time, becoming things, creating things. So the creator. God is desire. This is what Lung Po Cha once told a missionary. He said, Dunha. Prachal Sang Lok Ben Dunha. A bit hard to take if you How would you go about uh, helping Christians use their teaching to be a transcendent uh, vehicle? Well, it does have that. I mean, if you, in its mystical forms, born again Christianity is a kind of very primitive, childlike belief. But in, uh, at least as far as I know, the, 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 that which I've experienced. But if you, Christianity is is generally 
isn't it very clear actually? It's it's not particularly. Uh, it, it's a bit of a muddle anyway, even at its best. But at least that's. I mean, uh, it, it doesn't have the the, the clarity of its. Uh, it, it wasn't really. It was established uh, after the after the crucifixion, so that the actual founder. You know, didn't really have time to really to see that there was anything <laughs> much to to leave, other than a few very kind of vague teachings. But what its its sacramental forms and and all of these are, it's a it's a religion of 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 faith and surrender and. The, the more you kind of really do that totally, then of course the the uh, that, that that giving up selfish interest, self for for the uh, love of God, if one really does that, then one is free from suffering. But the the, de- the but the problem lies is that it always seems to affirm that I'm doing something. In order, to, you know, that I'm giving up something, rather than the idea of the giving up the the view of, of me as being somebody who's giving up something. So you meet like Christians who've been practicing and for years, and you're sometimes quite shocked to see how 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 full of doubts they are. I remember when the nuns from Sister Mary's convent came and talked to you. I mean, they were riddled with doubt. Some of them have been nuns for eons of time. <laughs> and all very, you know, really fine women. And, and uh, uh, obviously very sincere in their practice, but had, had never really, had been, uh, you know, their, their this, what they'd been involved with was merely a kind of believing in, in things. I, I I believe it there is, yes. I think in like if you like things like like Saint John of the Cross, uh, Meister Eckhart, but they were always a bit fringy. They were they were bordering on heresy on most of their lives. Now I think they've more or less you know, the church is much more open to that, but And then you meet individual Christians who somehow, you know, have, th- have that, 
you know, have, have somehow realized it and, and let go of it without it, without throwing it away. But that, I don't see that, I mean, that's more or less probably due to their particular kind of innate wisdom. Well, you see, that's that's when, when I went to this uh, conference in Berkeley, the Christian Buddhist one. They they uh, it was the first time I've heard, uh, say, Christians talk about God outside the Trinitarian terms, as as no thing. God is no thing. Is it's that's the first time, other than say with somebody like Roland Walls, Father Roland, who's who's a, a, the the uh, a quite unique one. But I mean, coming from say more official levels, or say like theologians and people on that plane, is the no thing because uh, especially like Trinitarian Christianities, always always given attributes. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So that there's always this, this, uh, this some some attribute, some some quality given. And the personal relationship is very strong. I mean, this is what Christians find difficult with Buddhism: is is they very much like that uh, feeling of of uh, relation, personal relationship to God where you're establishing a, a, a kind of relationship with God as a, as a kind of son or daughter. Mm. And, and emotionally, that can be quite inspiring to, to have that, to, to think of God as a kind of father up in the sky. Well, you could contemplate it like, like say, a, a from a, say childhood. You, a child is dependent upon mother and father, and so. In, uh, I mean, it, it, when you're when you're as a bit like a, a baby is totally dependent on the mother, and then as you grow, you become more. As you kind of wean yourself away from the mother, then you incline to the the father figure, the kind of 
ruling force or the, the one that, that uh, judges and, and punishes. And then, they, then that, that image of the father tends to be projected in, uh, say, on, on the religious side as, as God. That's what's hap- that's what this is how I see it was what happened in Christianity. So in many ways the the church has kept people in a, at, at that level of spiritual which is valid at a cer- to a certain age. You know, from the view of a child. That is that is uh, how it re- actually looks and that's how it actually is in you know, in practical terms. But then uh, the maturing process, you see, that uh, it doesn't allow for the for spiritual maturity if you keep hope, holding people on that plane, believing in a in a father god or mother goddess. Like the earlier religions were were maternal ones, the ones before the patriarchal ones were all uh, matriarchal religions. And then, they, then it shifted at one point in human evolution to paternal, paternal uh, religious views. Well, now maybe, maybe that, maybe it's evolving to where maybe human human beings are are growing beyond that, maturing. Let's hope. I mean, just if you if you use yourself as an example, you can see that at one point of your development, it's mothers everything. I mean, when a young baby doesn't really need a father. Fathers are useless, aren't they? <laughs> bring home the money and the, the eggs and things. But, but the uh, father can't really do much for a baby except kind of hold it now and then awkwardly. But at one point, it's it's very much the mother that is the is the important, the most important. And then the baby grows and it draws away from the mother. You know, this is, this is just theoretical, but tends to incline to the father for kind of worldly knowledge, wanting to get away from that mothering, nurturing thing to more the kind of worldly functions and the fatherly images. And fathers are... The, the male, the male quality tends to be much more judgmental than, say, the female. And uh, so, you find paternalistic religions very judgmental. You know, you, like Judaism was a highly patriarchal religion, and it was always God was judging everyone all the time. They'd get angry and wrathful if they didn't obey him and they did something they didn't like, he'd send a plague down and punish them. <laughs> it's just like having a tyrannical father, isn't it? You wear your, your muddy shoes in, in on the carpet and your father whacks you one, sends down a punishes you, sends you to bed without your your dinner. And then your mother feels sorry and sneaks something into you. <laughs> father isn't looking. <laughs> mm. 
Well, this is where I've, you know, from my own experience, is this, it was really quite some, quite a leap in, in consciousness to, to move from, want, you know, really wanting a father to tell me. Because there's a lack of confidence sometimes, wanting, you want some author, external authority to approve and tell you and guide you. Because that seems safe. And uh, and it's uh, uh, and I could see that in one part, you know, in some of my life as a Buddhist monk, really not tr- not willing to trust my, to have the faith, but w- or trust myself, but to to think, oh, I can't, you know, I need somebody else to tell me, you know, or to to affirm or to confirm or to say to tell me that I'm right, or that I'm going in the right way, or whatever. Very g- a great longing and kind of uh, demanding of that. But then as you, cont- I contemplated that a lot, because I used to feel very threatened by the fact that, that uh, you know, Ajahn Chah wouldn't really uh, go along with any of that. I was looking to him a lot. But there was never you know, any, any, any kind of attempt to try to, to get that kind of affirmation, he would, he would uh, cut me down. <laughs> Slice me up. Oh, well, time is a really, is a delusion. Most people are very attached to, to that. Like the idea we have eternity. And the kind of time forever, rather than no time. Where in Buddhist eternity is, is not, is timelessness, rather than ongoing time forever. <laughs> I mean, like to, to a Buddhist, eternity is just, a, a time that just goes on and on and on is an impossibility because 
time is, is a relative thing. It's a condition. You see, so, so, he, so it, to a Buddhist, eternity is, is, has nothing to do with his timelessness rather than time forever. And the, the, uh, where you're changing your whole, your, your perception. Uh, if you, with, with many Buddhists too, they think, well, I have this lifetime, I don't have enough uh, accumulated virtues to be enlightened, so I'm just going to practice uh, generosity and then I'll be reborn, maybe the next, I'll be born as a Devada, you know, and live 84,000 eons in the two-seater heaven. Uh, which sounds very nice. Two-seater heaven sounds very pleasant. But then 84,000 eons, don't judge 84,000 eons by our sense of time. Because uh, we're, we're judging, we, we, think, we think of that would be so long a time doesn't that? I mean, you think of 84,000 eons, that's so long a time, that's an eternity as far as, in, in the Christian sense of time going on. But then 84,000 eons of, of just happiness and bliss, I should think would go very quickly. I know how, how, how far, when, when, when one is happy or in the state of bliss and rapture, time just gone, isn't it? When you're in pain and misery, time is eternal hell. Five minutes is, 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 is eternal. Is five minutes of, of misery and pain is an eternity of misery and pain. Where five minutes of happiness is, is, is just a flash, isn't it? Five minutes of happiness is gone. Where did it go? So, to me, I, I contemplate this. I mean, 84,000 eons in the Tzedah heaven, not worth it. <laughs> Probably just go like that. <laughs> the so the 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 uh, 
the the point the Buddha was making was that that these are unsatisfactory. You know, even these very high, like Deva realms or Brahma Brahma realms, even though they are exquisite and and beautiful and and subtle and refined and radiant and all these, you know, they're only very positive. They're totally positive states. They're unsatisfactory because they 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 are conditioned and they're, they're not transcendent ones. They're merely subtle refinements of, of consciousness. And so that they're still the world. It's still the world. It's still consciousness. It's still division. It's still separation. It's still unsatisfactory. So that goes to, to the, from the, you know, the, the whole uh, cosmology from the from the lowest miserable state to the uh, most subtle form of consciousness, which is uh, neither perception nor non-perception. And so the the uh, the nibbana then is non-attachment rather than than refinement and subtlety. Now in in our life here, non-attachment is um, we just observe it, not not trying to to we're not going to to ultimate refinements and and not. Or, or special situations, but just beginning to to observe attachment and non-attachment. Is what is a vipassana is looking. What is attachment? What is non-attachment? So you're realizing non-attachment, not just thinking, not holding to a view that you shouldn't be attached to anything, but actually realizing attachment and and then realizing non-attachment. You're noting attachment. And from that you can let go, in, so that you realize non-attachment. And if you can do that more and more, just in little little things of just daily life, uh, and uh, in in just uh, setting here, or wherever you are, then that whole way of non-attachment becomes very clear, very direct path, very. It's it's a it's a, a middle way then, and it's a very clear, very direct path. Where the other is gets you high and gets you refined, but it's it's uh, it's also very fragile and can be, uh, and the, the more you attach to to refinement, the more you suffer from the coarseness of the physical world. Like if you're attached to aesthetics, refinements, and and uh, subtleties of the mind, then the, your body will just only repel you. You'll be disgusted with the world, the, the, the coarseness or grossness of the, of the uh, material world. Where with non-attachment, you can go anywhere because you can. When it gets really gross or coarse, you're just not attached to it, and you're not seeking to get 
you're not uh, seeking refinement, trying to hold on to refinement, special things, so that the say the, the liberated mind is is uh, able to to adapt, it's fearless, brave, adaptable, all-embracing, wise. Intelligent, clear, and bright, rather than subtle, refined, uh, special, uh, dependent on special conditions, dependent on things being a certain way. Did you think of your question, sister? Yes, I hadn't, but incidentally, you've answered a part of another question I had. But this is the last part of it I had to think up a bit more. I'm very pleased you've had that answered. Thank you. to remind you the morning chanting this opportunity to to reflect the beginning no experts nobody who's attained anything no achievements always the ground zero the still point the return always to the present the Pachubana Dhamma there's no to remind, to remember that, because we can come in here with all kinds of ideas and views, attachment. And there's talking like this, nobody, there's no attainments, no achievements, no experts. Because these are the these are the worldly, this is worldly ways of, these are the worldly values, the eight worldly dhammas. The people who are, who are successful and people who fail, praise and blame, happiness and suffering, good fortune, misfortune. People, important people that have high status, those with, without any outcast. These are worldly values. So when you come in this room with an idea that you, that you're a failure or a success or attached to happiness or suffering, praise or blame, all of these eight worldly dhammas, then you, 
you're a worldling again. You're born into the world of dukkha, which ends in despair and death. So when you let go of that, then there's dhamma, things are as they are. There's nobody attaining or achieving. There's knowing in touch, in tune, in, in one with that, that, that knowing, that amata dhamma, rather than all the creation out of ignorance. recreation but we don't even when we're ignorant we don't even create we just recreate the same old thing hackneyed worn out old things that can keep regurgitating over and over and over into our minds And reflection is the mind is is in the is is just receptive, alert. You're, you're now your intention is to be alert, awake, receptive, reflective, observing, just reflecting, contemplating the way it is now. What is the what is your mind, your jitta like now? Is it, do you feel do you feel dull or bright or depressed or elated or neither? Then to bring the attention to this, the breath of the body, the nada sound. If the body, if you're feeling sleepy and you're, then you are uh, dull, then then, contra- then uh, sweep through the body. To the, note the Vedana, from the top of the head down to the soles of the feet and back up to the top of the head. So diffuse the body. Put, put attention into just the, the physical body so that it begins to feel good to feel like a happy body rather than a, something you're just suppressing, don't want to be bothered with. Can't take time to to notice it. You just maybe because you, you, you just want to get into some nice mental state. Because we have become very kind of mentally attached to ideas and views. And, modern humanity. We'd like to think and talk and have these opinions. And the functions and needs of a body can be pretty boring, uninteresting, or just too coarse to, to bother with.
with the metta bhavana then uh, that's uh, always a uh, uh, starting with this being here this one oneself say homi it's always to to suffuse the, this whole being this body this creature with goodwill kindness If you sweep through the body, then you can suffuse it with this, with goodwill, attentiveness, acceptance of it, non-aversion to it, patience with it. The body will feel happy then. At least mine does. When I do that, the body starts feeling happy. By that I mean it starts feeling relaxed and good. Doesn't it? Doesn't doesn't feel taut or tense? Or if I if I if I don't do that, body can get very kind of one has has developed so many habits over a lifetime of the kind of physical habits, mental physical habits that the body just and it goes back into that old pattern. Now it's not an indulgent practice. You're not you're not just trying to be happy. But you're out of kindness and wisdom, you realize it's better to if you're going, since the body's born, you might as well make it happy. But to live with a happy body is easier than with a miserable one. You can, some of you have really miserable bodies, don't you? Bodies are depressed, miserable, painful, tortured. Why is that?
this is the last day of January, the 31st of January. Where did January go? Just started, didn't it? It seems like yesterday was the 1st of January, New Year's Day. Now it's the 31st, today. Perception of time. With the Magapuja is on what, Tuesday. So we, that's in the future, isn't it? Magapuja, all the monks, the nuns will be assembling here. Coming to Amravati for Magapuja Day. Right now, what is that? That perception of Magapuja Day, all the seminars will be coming from the different branches. Kittisara will be coming from Devon. What is that? That's a perception, isn't it? Do you really believe that there's a real person called Kittisara? It's a perception in the mind, isn't it? Each of us have that perception. Ajahn Tabakura. Sister Dittapala. So this is the, these are the conventional, the samuti satya, the conventional realities only. But now you're looking at them as they actually appear and disappear. Kitty sorrow can appear and disappear in the mind right now, can it? Just that word, if we, if we use Randy, that would be slightly different to that. He used to be known as Randy. When he came uh, to Bungwai as an uh, to become an Anagarika, I insisted that we call him Randolph. So I didn't think Randy was a very dignified name for an adult. In America, it doesn't mean what it means here in England. <laughs> but the American bakers at Bungwai refused to call him Randolph because that. Americans don't like to, to use kind of formal names. So he's Randy and 
จาเทียนเทปทันบัฟทันรอกทันเวลาทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยทุยพิสูจน์